You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Our second reading today comes from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. Paul followed a pattern just about everywhere he went. He would arrive in a new town, get to know the people and the place, and eventually begin to form a church. He might stay for a few weeks, a few months, in some cases a few years, but Paul always moved on. He always left that town for the next, to repeat the pattern all over again. But whenever he left, he always left someone behind. He left someone that would remain in that place to help nurture that new community of believers, to keep them going, to encourage them in the work and in the life of faith. Oftentimes, the roots of that new community would take and it would flourish, but other times, well, other times it didn't quite happen that way. And such was the case for the church in Corinth. There are problems in Corinth, and you get a sense of it as soon as you open up to the very first chapter of Paul's letter to them. That theme continues here in the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, where he addresses the matter of gardening, of tending to that which has been planted, and yet that which seems struggling to grow. So let us continue listening now for a word from God as we hear these verses from 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, beginning with the first verse. Paul writes to the church saying, and so brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, he continues, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one of you says, I belong to Paul, and another says, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Paul says, Apollos watered, but God, God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. We are God's servants working together. You are God's field. You are God's building. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's sermon is titled, La Gloria Sea Para Dios. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, send your spirit now that it would stir within each of us that through its work, O God, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered together here in your sight would be pleasing and glorifying to you. 
You and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Even after as many mission trips as I have had an opportunity to participate in, I never cease to be amazed watching a group of people come together. A week ago yesterday, nearly 25 of us met up here in the back hallway of the church at 3.30 a.m. to catch a bus that was conveniently 30 minutes late to get to Atlanta for a flight to the DR. I looked around in those early morning frigid hours and I recognized many of the faces, but there were also many faces that I did not know. And yet in just 24 hours, fast forward, introductions have been made, laughter is being shared, we're playing cards around the table. And then 24 hours more come Monday morning, the first day when we were going out to the different sites where we would serve. There we are, a group of people who only two days prior hardly knew one another in some cases. There we are running clinics and building walls and lining up surgeries. Now, admittedly, it is easier to strike a chord of unity in a group when you are only talking about a week time frame, particularly a week where there's a whole nother group of people who are planning for your transportation and buying all your groceries and cooking all your meals. And even, I learned, washing your clothes every day makes it a little bit easier for that group to coalesce and come together. It's harder, isn't it, when you extend that time frame to weeks or months or years, suddenly that group coherence has a lot more opportunity, a lot more time, a lot more space to begin to hit some stumbling blocks. Such is the case with the church in Corinth. It's a little unclear just how much time has passed since Paul first rolled into Corinth and set up that church and From then until the time he is now writing here in his letter to the Corinthians, many scholars peg it at something like four to five years. It's been four to five years since Paul was there in place on the ground in Corinth to the point where he is now writing to them to try and instruct them and encourage them. Right now, Paul had followed that pattern I mentioned. Paul had left someone behind when he had left Corinth for the next town all those years before. In this case, he had left a man named Apollos, that name that we heard referenced in those verses. Right? Paul planted, Apollos watered. Apollos was left behind to nurture and encourage that fledgling church to grow and to grow deeper in their life of faith. But word has reached Paul that doing life together has proved to be rather difficult for the Corinthians. Divisions have emerged. Problematic behavior has arisen. Competing factions have formed within the church. You can read the rest of the letter to get a sense of some of the depth and nature of those problems. But what's most interesting to me here in this particular passage is that Paul is not seeking to address the doctrinal issues that are at play in the Corinthian church. Here, Paul seems more focused on trying to address those personality differences that have arisen. You see, we don't know too much about Apollos. There's references to him back in the book of Acts. So what we do know is that he was a Jewish Christian who was raised 
in the city of Alexandria in northern Africa, a city rich with history, particularly at this time in history, a place that the early church flourished there in Africa. What we know also is that Apollos was apparently incredibly scripturally adept. He was the guy who could beat just about anyone in Bible trivia. And the other thing we know about Apollos was that he was apparently eloquent in speech. He was someone for whom the words just flowed freely off his tongue and could move just about anyone. And so what seems to have happened in the Corinthian church is that the members of that church, they have begun to place Paul and Apollos in competition with one another. Because elsewhere we read in Corinthians that perhaps Paul was not the most eloquent of speakers. And so different factions have risen up in the church where you have one group of people who have aligned themselves with Apollos and his style of rhetoric. And then on the other side of the aisle you have this group of people who have aligned themselves behind Paul and his displays of wisdom which are so evident in his writings. And so Paul is writing here in chapter 3 to set the record straight. Paul is writing to remind the Corinthian church that in a Christian community, in a Christian community, everyone plays a role. Right? Just like I talked about with the children, Paul is telling the church then and now, listen, some of you will plant and others of you will water. Some of you will sing, thanks be to God, and others of you will pray. Some of you may preach, and others of you may teach. Some of you may cook, and others may visit. Some of you may vision, may step back and set the direction for this group of people, and others of you might actually be the ones to enact it, to do it. Right? He tells you, listen, there's all different manner of gifts within the gathered Christian community. Some of them are gifts that are used for planting seeds of faith and others of them are gifts that are used for watering that faith. But don't forget, Paul says, that neither the planting or watering alone will bring the growth. No, only God, he says, only God gives the growth. This past week for me in the DR, has been a case study of sorts and watching people who plant and people who water and people who sit back and trust that somehow, some way, God will give the growth. On Monday, our first day working, I was part of a smaller crew that was on the fourth floor of a school A beautiful school, a well-maintained school, a school that though the children weren't there that day, you could see teeming with life the other days of the week. Technically, we were on the roof of the school, but what we were doing up there was helping to build a fourth floor because the, the demand for education in that place was so great that they needed more rooms, more classrooms, more offices in order to do the ministry that they had been called to do. I found myself thinking up there on that fourth floor, you know, sometime long ago, someone came along and planted a seed way down there. This was not OSHA certified workplace, by the way. Uh, Lots of rebar sticking up, lots of edges that if you weren't careful, 
might not end well. Thankfully, it ended well for all of us. But I look down there and I think someone a long time ago came along with a seed. And they planted it way down there in the dirt. And look, three floors of classrooms have grown. And now here is another floor. I wonder what God might do with that space. What growth God might nurture in the young faith and the young lives of those who will one day fill those walls that we literally watched come up out of that roof over those five days. I found myself, too, thinking about our medical, dental, surgical, and nursing teams that went out each day both to the clinic where we were based out of and to communities far away. What might those lives that have been released of, if only a little bit of the pain and the limitations they've been living with, what might God grow through those lives that are now healed? One of the coolest places that we visited was a school. Uh, It's the CCED. I'm not going to try the Spanish on that, but... It's a school that in the early 90s uh, is in an area that then, back then, was a, a literal garbage dump in the city, right, where the poorest of the poor in San Juan lived. There's an incredible picture uh, of uh, our pastor back in the 90s kneeling down in the dirt of that exact site where we were and drawing with his finger the outline of buildings that might fill that space one day. And now you go and visit, as we did on Tuesday morning, and you see five, six buildings, two, three stories high, housing children who are learning and growing in the faith, right? A Christian school that our church helped to not only vision, to plant the seeds for, but also to water and to see what God has now done. Our host was telling us afterwards that each year in the DR, the government uh, awards 10 scholarships to students from all across the country to attend medical school in Santo Domingo. A few years back, five of those 10 scholarships were awarded to alumni of that school in San Juan that only a few decades ago was a garbage dump. You plant seeds, you water them, and God will give growth. We're about to hear in a few minutes from Kevin DeMarc about our witness season that we are beginning this month. It's going to go to help provide safe and clean water for a community that our church partners with in a different place in Cuba And as I thought about that, I thought to myself, you know, it's easy for us to listen and think to ourselves, what's one water system going to do? What's one thing for one community possibly going to do? Just a few seeds, a little water, what could possibly happen? Friends, all over the place this week, there has been evidence of how God can grow amazing, miraculous even things from just a single seed and a little water. I remember reading at some point that um, uh, Johannes Bach, the 17th, 18th century German composer, uh, as his fame grew, uh, Bach was determined to uh, uh, make sure people gave the real credit and glory not to him, 
but to God. If you look at his original compositions from Bach, near the end of many of them, you'll see the letters I-N-S, which are the Latin abbreviation for in the name of Christ. That's how he ended all of his compositions. A few others you'll see at the beginning of the composition, the letters J-J, Jesus help me, is how he began the piece, and then he would end it with the letters S-D-G. Any guesses on that? Sola Deo Gloria. To God be the glory. So often I think we go about our lives fighting furiously to make sure that our name is the only name on the compositions and the achievements and the work of our lives. Right? We will fight tooth and nail over who gets credit, who is stronger, who is better. Right? Our ego and pride in this hyper-individualistic society and culture and time in which we are all living, it takes a blink of an eye to blow God's name right off the margins of our own compositions, of those notes that make up the music of our lives. We let our ego take over and we forget We forget the one that actually gives everything in our lives, growth, right? But Bach, Bach knew what Paul knew. Bach understood that some people plant and other people water, but only God, only God gives growth. I said the school was almost the coolest place we visited, or at least in my head I said that. I don't know if I said it out loud. (laughs) But by far the coolest place, the coolest thing, the most amazing thing that we saw all week was this brand new clinic in San Juan. Now some of you might know the story behind this. Back in 2014, ground was broken outside the city on a new hospital, right? We send teams and have done so for close to 30 years in this church to a specific clinic in San Juan. We bring dentists and surgeons and we bring construction crews and we stay there at that clinic, but the existing clinic is woefully outdated. And not only that, it's situated in this floodplain. Back in the late 90s, Hurricane George blew through and nearly wiped the whole place off the map. And so there's been an awareness ever since then that 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 community needed a new clinic to serve the poorest of the poor. It's been a dream for many people. So back in 2014, they broke ground on this clinic. They've raised $6 million. Our church alone has contributed almost $400,000 of that $6 million. I was hearing from some of uh, the folks in our group who had made the trek to the DR before about the uh, amazing change that has happened just since the time of COVID. The last group we sent uh, in early 2020 and the group in 2019, when they were there, sort of the outline of the new hospital had been set up in blocks, but what they remembered were the goats and the cattle just sort of freely roaming through the whole site. It hadn't really taken full shape. But this week we went And it is this gleaming, beautiful structure. I took some pictures. I don't know if we can get them on the screen. 
So uh, there were all sorts of texts going around uh, two days ago because all of us realized we were so taken with the building itself that we sort of forgot to step back and take a picture of the building itself. We were so enthusiastic about getting into it. You can see on the top left corner one picture of part of what the outside looks like. This clinic is going to more than double the availability of respirators for not just the city but an entire region. There are now ICU beds that they will be able to provide care to the sickest of the sick there in San Juan. There's a maternity ward. There are facilities for dental care and for other types of health consultations. There's an OR that doubles the number of operating rooms that the current existing clinic has to four. It's an incredible, incredible facility. And it truly was, even as someone who's only been a part of this family of faith for a year, to hear the stories of the dreaming and the seeds that have been planted and all the watering that has taken to get to this place, it was incredible to be able to walk through and see it in person. But the most amazing thing to me was the next picture. It's not going to look amazing at first. So there are two high-traffic areas in this new hospital. Two atriums, almost, you might call them. One on either end. And in both of these atriums, written on the wall, high above, for everyone to see is a phrase. Now, I should pause and note here, one of the challenges the hospital is now facing and one of the things they're requesting all of our prayers for is the equipment to make it to the facility. Because, boy, is it a beautiful hospital, but it doesn't have the tools to be a hospital yet. They're all held up in customs there in the DR. And so they're soliciting the prayers of partner churches like ours that all of that medical equipment and surgical equipment will be released so that they can open after their dedication next month, which a few folks from our congregation will be at. But here in the atrium, despite the fact that all the other rooms are bare, they haven't wasted time in painting this phrase high above for everyone to see. I don't speak Spanish, but I'm going to try just like I did when I used this for the sermon title today. There above that atrium in two different places, it says, La gloria sea para Dios. Glory be to God. A lot of people planted along the way. A lot of other people came along and watered. But they get it, don't they? It is God and God alone who gives growth, right? They get it. They're at Solid Rock. They get it there in San Juan. They get it in the DR, right? Bach, he got it. It's not his own name on those compositions. It's not his own talent that made him what it was. It was the gifts that God had bestowed upon him. It was the growth that God had provided. Paul got it. Paul understood. He went straight to the root of the problem that the Corinthians were dealing with. He knew what they were thinking because he knew they were human. They get it. Bach got it. Paul got it. Friends, I wonder, do we get it? When we leave this place today, Will others be able to see reflected in the atriums of our hearts and of our lives who the true one 
that requires and should receive all the credit is? Will we lead and use words and behave and live in such a way that when someone meets us, whether they meet us when we're planting or watering, they will recognize immediately who it is that deserves all the glory. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen.